There's a loot. My goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler, this is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I have a great show for you guys today, I worked really hard to prepare it. Did I ever say bad show? Like, I say that every time, but do you think I'm ever going to say, man, you know what, today I have a bad show. (laughs) Why do we always say that? I say that every time, I don't know, I... I think about that often. Like It's just a habit now at this point. I got a great show. Of course I have a great show. I worked my butt off to prepare it. I'm excited. We're going to talk about LeBron James. We're going to talk about the NBA awards. I've got a lot of direct messages from people saying, I want you to talk about the MVP and all that stuff. So I'm going to get into that. I'm going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. There was some controversial stuff. That's going to be really fun to talk about. Basically, the question is, is Jimmy Garoppolo overhyped? We'll get to that in a minute. But first, I have to start with this. I have to start. I know we'll get to the cool stuff. This is the one, though, that I'm more fired up about. And I'm more, uh, I- I've got a lot of hate about this. So I got to talk about this first. On my last podcast, I said something. And everybody freaked out at me. Everybody got so angry. So Baker Mayfield started streaming himself playing video games. And I mean, what that is, streaming video games is basically publicly broadcasting yourself playing games. And I said, I don't like that. I don't like my starting quarterback doing that. Not a fan. Not a fan of that at all. And I I can't believe, I can't believe I got pushback. I can't believe I got people saying, Zach, I got so much backlash. They're like, Zach, it's 2018. Get with the times. Stop being such a dinosaur. Well, first I got to say, thank, thank freaking God. Like, thank you, Christ. I'm so happy because everyone always says to me, stop being such a young kid. And now they're like, stop being such a grandpa. Like, which one is it? First of all, am I a grandpa? Am I a young, dumb kid? I don't know. Um, I, I just, the main argument everyone's making in favor of Baker Mayfield, they're saying he's a 23 year old kid. If he wants to play video games, let him play video games. And then they say this. Baker Mayfield just wants to connect with his fans and build his brand. So my first thought is, why would Baker Mayfield want to do that? Why does Baker Mayfield, why is he so concerned? Why is he putting so much energy into building his brand? Why? Baker Mayfield's not even good enough to be a starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Your energy is going into building a brand to Twitch streaming? How about you watch film? How about you work on your footwork? Anything, anything that makes you closer to being a starting quarterback. I wonder, you know, does he, does Baker Mayfield realize, is he accepted like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to play this year. It's just like Oklahoma. I had a year off. Does he think that like, it's when he's going to take, when he took a year off his first year at Oklahoma? I don't know. I don't understand. But I want my quarterback to have laser focus, laser focus. (laughs) He wants to build his brand. Let, let me ask, is, is Baker Mayfield a t-shirt salesman or is he a quarterback? Is Baker Mayfield a, a t-shirt salesman or a quarterback? Is he trying to do pop-up shops, trying to build his brand, or is he a starting quarterback, a professional starting quarterback, a professional quarterback, period. It's not to be starting. I don't want my professional quarterback to be trying to sell t-shirts. If Baker Mayfield really wants to build his brand, he should focus his energy 
on becoming, oh, what, the starting quarterback. Because guess what? He's not the starting quarterback right now. Or if Baker Mayfield really wants to build his brand, he should focus on winning. Focus on winning games. Because again, currently, Baker Mayfield, not a starting quarterback, hasn't won any games in the NFL. Doesn't have a brand. Tom Brady has a brand. Tom Brady has a brand, TB12. And Tom Brady doesn't need to play Fortnite or need to stream himself playing video games to build his brand because Tom Brady's brand is winning. He got five rings. Five rings. If you think about it, Baker Mayfield has accomplished nothing in the NFL. And you can't dispute that. You will, but you can't. Baker Mayfield has done nothing in the NFL. What, what, he, was a, he won the Heisman. Great. That's awesome. Oh, and he was a first overall pick. Two things that if you look at them historically mean basically nothing. Jamarcus Russell was a number one overall pick. Where's Jamarcus Russell? Oh, oh, he's out of the league. He's not anywhere. Didn't even do anything. Heisman winners. They don't, they don't necessarily become great football players. Troy Smith won a Heisman. Do you know who that is? Some of you kids probably don't. Johnny Manziel won a Heisman. RG3, Tim Tebow. Winning the Heisman and becoming the first overall pick, those actually aren't accomplishments. That means nothing. So I don't really care. You know, Baker Mayfield accomplished nothing in the NFL. And I want to slow down. No, I'm getting fired up. I got to say, I don't care what Baker Mayfield does with this free time. Baker Mayfield, dude, play all the video games you want. Go for it. But don't broadcast it with a megaphone. That's the problem I have. I don't care if Baker, like, I, I'm sure Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, I'm sure they put Josh Rosen, probably not. He's crazy. Like he's, he's like laser focused crazy, which I prefer, but whatever. But playing video games is not a bad thing. But broadcasting it, streaming your video games, that's the problem I have that I don't like. Because I don't think you realize this. You can track how many hours he's streamed. You can track how many hours he's put into streaming. It's very simple. And, and when Baker Mayfield streams how much he plays video games, he puts a target on his back. He makes himself an even easier target for any criticism at all. And why do that? When, when Baker Mayfield's not the starting quarterback in next season, people are going to say, well, look, look at how many hours he played a fortnight. He's got like 200 and something hours logged this summer. Oh, he wasn't working. Look, I don't think streaming video games is wise. I just, if you want to be a, a professional quarterback, streaming video games is not a wise thing for you to do. That's not what a franchise quarterback does. And, and when I say quarterback, I'm saying quarterback is a different position. Playing quarterback is a different position than any other position in sports. You know, Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns stream themselves playing video games. I don't, I don't love that either way, honestly. But there's, it's a different culture. The NBA is a different culture than the NFL. And the NBA is a different culture than even quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are just, the, they're, they're a different standard. Quarterback is unlike any position in sports. And I called my quarterbacks to a very, very high standard, as you should, because not a lot of them succeed. And I, I, I just, man, I, I am strict. I am, I am tight with my quarterbacks. I don't want them doing a lot of stuff. And, and people saying to this, people say, who cares what Baker Mayfield does in his free time? Well, I would say this. I do care what Baker Mayfield does in his free time because what you do off the field affects you on the field. Off the field affects you on the field. Let's talk about my show. I went to a bar on Sunday night and it put me behind by a day because I went to a bar, then something else happened. And next thing you know, all the stuff outside of the podcast were affected by, affected the podcast. 
off the field effects on the field. Things, your habits, your work ethic, everything, it matters. It does matter. And I don't know how you can say, I don't care what he does off the field. I do. What Baker Mayfield does off the field affects how he plays, affects everything else. And there's another people like, well, Baker Mayfield's only 23 years old. Doesn't, doesn't matter at all. Sam Darnold's only 20. He might be the starting quarterback for the Jets. It's time to step up. I don't care how young you are, how mature, immature, whatever. You got to step up. It's time for you to grow up now. You got you to gotta grow up right this minute. So I don't know. I, I just, you know, maybe Baker Mayfield, and this is where the cheap shot comes in. Maybe Baker Mayfield is working so hard to build his brand because he knows if he fails in Cleveland, he's got to have something to fall back on. Maybe just Baker Mayfield's trying to capitalize while he has the spotlight. He's like, well, if I'm the next Ryan Leaf, I'm going to go out and get a bunch of followers while I'm at it. I don't know. Look, the, the truth is, I don't care if a guy plays video games. I, I just simply, I don't, I don't care. Do whatever you want in your free time. Look, I took a week off. I played Mass Effect. I loved it. It was fantastic. But the perception for an NFL quarterback streaming video games, it's not good. It's not good at all. And if Baker Mayfield's putting energy into building his brand, rather than putting energy into becoming a starting quarterback, rather than putting energy into winning games, that's a problem. I don't want my NFL quarterback streaming video games. It's not a good look. It looks immature. It looks like a waste of energy. It's just not smart for perception. That's my take. I don't know how you can be mad at that. But people are. People are furious. You need to stop being a dinosaur, Zach. I, I, I don't. I'm not comfortable with my starting quarterback, the guy I've paid millions to, the guy I expect to lead my franchise, being a goofball streaming video games. I just, no, do, do it when you retire. Do it when, if you fail out of the league, do it then, but not, not now. Not the summer before your first year in the NFL. It's just not wise. Or if you're going to do it, at least earn the right. Tom Brady could get away with it. I wouldn't like it if Tom Brady did it. And there's a reason Tom Brady wouldn't do it. But he's earned the right if he wants to. Baker Mayfield has accomplished nothing and he has not earned the right to do whatever he wants in the NFL. He thinks he has. He certainly thinks he has. He has not. All right. Uh, we, we have a great show. Oh my gosh. I, know. I keep saying that. I'm like, oh, I have a great show. No duh, Zach. Of course you have a great show. Look, I, I worked really hard. Um, we're going to talk about loyalty in the NBA. Loyalty is dead in the NBA. And, and thank goodness. Thank God, good riddance. I, I'm tired of loyalty in the NBA. We're going to talk about the NBA awards because uh, they, they're cringy. They're ridiculous. We're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo down the road. We're going to talk about Markel Fultz. Should peewee football end? I have a great topic about that. I, I'm really excited to talk about. I played football growing up. I played in college a little bit. I'm sure you listening played football at some point in your life. And if you didn't, you're, you're aware of football. You know how you know about football. Everybody in this country Really, the world at some point level knows about football, and so um, I think that'll be a really, really great uh, topic. The Lakers, I believe, make LeBron James a bigger star, and there's obvious reasons, and there's reasons people aren't thinking about, and that'll be a fun topic. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this podcast. If you like strong opinion sports 
as much as I do. Look, this is my favorite thing in the world. This is my passion. It's my brainchild. It's my baby. I love writing about it. I love broadcasting. I love doing everything involved in doing strong opinion sports. And if you like this show, please help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, share it with your friends. I, I'm pretty much done with Twitter, by the way. I don't, I just don't, uh, I gave up on Twitter. So if you can help me share my stuff on Twitter, that'd be awesome. All right. I want to move on. Drink some water. I, I've lost my Montana State water bottle. As you know, I talk about it often. Very sad. I think it's at my dad's house. Um, I, I don't actually know. I went to my dad's house last night and watched Westworld. What a hot take. This is not about sports. Westworld season two, not as good. Just not as good of a show. I, I love production. Not as good. Okay, I want to talk about the NBA awards. The NBA awards were really, really weird. I I I don't. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the NBA awards. I hate award shows. They're kind of a waste of my time. Yeah, I just, nah. I'll catch the highlights on YouTube. I'm glad they put Dwayne Casey's speech. I actually watched it. It was quite funny. He talked about being fired. Great speech. Um, and I saw Bill Russell flip somebody off. But there's like, there's literally like in, an, in a three-hour span of an award show, there's like literally four minutes I want to watch. And I, I'm just not going to waste my time with that. But here's what, here's what I do know. I didn't watch the NBA awards, but I know what happened. I know the results. And I know that the NBA coach of the year went to a person, Dwayne Casey, who the Raptors fired when the season ended. And I know that the rookie of the year went to Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, not really a rookie. Like he, he, he played for the first time this year, but last year, the year before this year, he was injured, not playing, but working out traveling with the team, being a part of the 76ers. And so he basically got like a, like a red shirt year. So depending on the definition of rookie you look at on Google, depending on the definition of rookie you find on Google, uh, he's either a rookie or he's not. That's minutia. It's silly. Ah, I, I don't know. The, the other one that's controversial is James Harden was chosen as the NBA's most valuable player over LeBron James. And personally, I find this one the most offensive, the most ridiculous, the stupidest. Most valuable player. You're, you're telling me in last year's NBA season, you're, you're actually telling me you thought that James Harden was the more valuable player than LeBron James. <laughs> I, can't, I don't even, I'm going to be, of course I have an argument. Of course, I'm going to tell you why that's ridiculous. But guys, just use logic. Most valuable. Let me tell you, the NBA writers are the people who vote on the NBA's most valuable player. What's most ironic about this is they write more articles about LeBron James than James Harden. So literally, financially, LeBron James is more valuable than James Harden. <laughs> like, I don't even, wow. It doesn't matter, but you think about it. LeBron James is literally more valuable even to the NBA writers. He's the most valuable player in the league. That's, but that's not why I'm going to make my argument. LeBron James had better numbers, better po- more points, more rebounds, more assists. He played in more games, and, but he had better averages too. You look at LeBron James had a better shooting percentage than James Harden. He also had the same three-point percentage. You look at James Harden. Of course, James Harden's strength is his ability to shoot threes. Guess what? LeBron James and James Harden had the exact same three-point percentage, 36.7%. Not to mention James Harden plays no defense. Not at all. LeBron James defense isn't great. I, I, okay, not defending James LeBron James defense at all. But James Harden literally does not play defense. At least LeBron James has moments where he does. And when we talk about most valuable player, it's like, do we forget half of the game 
We only talk about scoring anymore. Scoring, I know scoring is very important. The league about scoring, it's how you win games. But did we completely forget? Did we just erase half of the game? Does defense not matter so much that we're going to give it to a guy who doesn't play any defense at all? Oh, man, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Not to mention, the Rockets won when James Harden played poorly. I've made this video before. I made a video called LeBron James should be MVP, not James Harden. Go watch it. It's great to make a whole argument. I'll make the short version here. James Harden shot less than 40% in eight games this year. His worst shooting night was 11%. James Harden's eight, James Harden's eight worst games. In James Harden's eight worst games last season, the Rockets were 7-1, and one, which tells me the, James Harden can play badly and the Rockets will still win. In LeBron James' worst 10 games, and by the way, his worst night shooting was like 31%. So the worst of the worst for LeBron James is a lot better than the worst of the worst for James Harden. But here's the thing. When LeBron James played his 10 worst games, the Cavs are 3-7. and 3-7. Seven. Three and seven. LeBron James, when LeBron James plays bad, the Cavaliers could not win. And when James Harden plays bad, the Rockets did win. Remember, remember in the NBA playoffs when, I know, I know it's a regular season war, but I'm just saying this is now a valuable argument. When James Harden was in the playoffs, he shot 11% against the Golden State Warriors. And with Chris Paul, the Warriors lost the game. The Rockets beat the Warriors, even though James Harden had a horrible, horrible night, his worst night shooting all season. And, and let me ask you, who's more valuable? Like, what does valuable mean? Chris Paul is what made the difference for the Rockets last year. Because before Chris Paul was added to the Rockets, the last two years prior to Chris Paul, the Rockets were 2-10 and 10 versus the Warriors. And suddenly after adding Chris Paul, the Warriors and the Rockets were competitive. That tells me that James Harden wasn't even the most valuable player on his own team. It was Chris Paul. Now, I made a video again. I made a video. LeBron should be MVP, not Harden. I elaborate on all of this. I recommend you watch it. But the point is this. Most valuable player is just really stupid. In, in, any, in any sense of the word, in any, in any sport, in the NFL, in, in, most, in baseball, in the NBA, it's all dumb. It's, it's just really stupid. And what I would rather we call it, let's just call it what it is, it's the NBA writer's favorite player of the year. That's what it is. It's the guy they chose to put on a pedestal this year. Last year, oh, it was Russell Westbrook. Yes. This year, and suddenly, so last year, everyone felt bad for Russell Westbrook. The argument was, well, Russell Westbrook has no help. Look at he's averaging a triple double. We got to give it to Russell Westbrook. This year, suddenly, it's we got to give it to the best player on the best team. Why do we come up with a, a new reason every? It's it's you, you keep moving the finish line on LeBron James. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. And so I think the truth is, and maybe we call it Player of the Year. It's NBA Player of the Year, but it's not most valuable. The most valuable player is a joke. Don't call valuable. You're just it's a bad name. It's stupid. It's the NBA writer's favorite player every single year. The guy they decided to put on a pedestal this year. Call it, maybe it's the NBA player of the year. That makes sense to me. But you can even argue that it's not in the best interest of the NBA for LeBron James to win an NBA MVP. And, and let, me, let me tell you why. So the NBA awards are stupid. They're, they're dumb. I don't care. I don't like them. I, 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 I don't watch them. But they, they do need to exist. Do you know why they need to exist? Do you know why the NBA awards are really, really great? Because I'm talking about them right now. Because I argue with my friends at a bar. Because 
we watch the NBA awards. I don't, but a lot of people do and go, that's stupid. Ah, first of all, the NBA awards make money and that's good for the NBA. Second thing though, is that they're controversial and the job of the NBA is to create storylines for about their players and to promote stars. That's what the NBA's job is. It's really not, it's to make money. It's a business. And the way you make more business is you have good storylines and you have star players. So the more controversial that the NBA awards are, the more controversial the NBA's MVP or player of the year or coach of the year is, the better it is for the NBA because people talk. If LeBron James wins the MVP, we go, of course, and we move right along. Whereas when James Harden wins the MVP, we're having this topic right now where I'm saying, that's stupid. Why would we do that? And the truth is controversy is good for any, any business. For at least for if you if you're in the job if you're in the business of storylines, usually controversy is good. Not for not for Golden Compass that didn't work out for that movie. Not for the but if you're a radio host, I hate to say it, controversy is good. Journalists lean really hard into controversy because it gets some clicks. It's awful, but it's true. And an NFL league, an NFL, NBA, whatever, you want controversy because it gets eyeballs on you. So choosing James Harden for the MVP does this. It creates, first, a big story. It, it, why would James Harden win MVP over LeBron James? And then it gives, it builds the James Harden stardom, the legacy. It's, it's, you're overhyping, basically, James Harden, which is cool. Good for him. And maybe the true genius of the NBA awards, this is maybe sarcasm, maybe not, is that it happens long after we've forgotten the regular season. Why would you give everyone a regular season award after it's already over, we've forgotten? If, here's the thing. If you just give James Harden the MVP at the end of the regular season, it's much easier. But when you're looking at it through the lens of the playoffs, James Harden looks small small and, and shrimpy and, and bad. Because clearly LeBron James is the most valuable player in the NBA. I wouldn't even say that James Harden is the second most valuable player in the NBA. I would say it's probably... Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Chris Paul. Uh, I mean, I, I like that. I, there's so many players I would pick before James Harden. James Harden, best player, best team, great. But does that really make you valuable? I don't think so. And so I, I'm just tired of us calling it the most valuable player. Don't use the word valuable. Just say it's the player of the year. Or just say it's the NBA writers. And this is where I get snarky. It's the NBA writers favorite player of the year. It's the guy NBA writers decided to put on a pedestal this year. We don't care about the word valuable. We just want to, this is the story this year, last year, Russell Westbrook, this year it's James Harden. I have no faith in in MVP awards ever. They're ridiculous. They're stupid. Don't pay attention. And and the good news is you don't have to watch it. I didn't watch it. And I just watch the highlights on YouTube and uh, I move on with my life. So we're moving on, but I I just can't believe um, that I don't know. It's stupid. And maybe it's better that it's stupid because it gets me to talk about it. And it gets my friends to talk about it. Like we're going to pay attention to the NBA MVP because it's dumb. So for better or worse. Oh man. Drink some water. So Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo was the 90th ranked player in the NFL top 100 list. Gave him 90. They put Jimmy Garoppolo in the top 100. And my first reaction to this was, uh, it seems a bit early. 
Like, ah, even me. Like, let me tell you, I'm the first guy to stand on mountains and say, I love Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the best thing ever. Yes. Because I, I want that. I want the 49ers to win. I like the story. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is awesome. But even a guy like me, who's Jimmy Garoppolo is like number one fanboy, he may be close to the top 100, but wow, I just, you, look, you give a guy five starts and you put him already in the top 100. I don't know. That's a bit early to me, but who cares? I mean, m- maybe here's the thing. It's player voted. Maybe that's how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. They respect his five wins so much. And what he did to the 49ers, they're like, yeah, he's clearly in the top 100. Good for him. But good for Jimmy Garoppolo. Whatever. But Jalen Ramsey really didn't like it. Jalen Ramsey plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, Jalen Ramsey said that Jimmy Garoppolo only succeeded because of the 49ers scheme. Because of their play calling. Uh, So first off, Jalen Ramsey plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, a team that Jimmy Garoppolo actually beat last year. Kind of funny. Maybe he's just bitter. I don't know. But against Jalen Ramsey's team, Jimmy Garoppolo was 21 for 30. He had 242 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, one interception. Two touchdowns, one interception. And that's not a great day. That's kind of pedestrian. That's, that's as far as NFL quarterbacks go. He didn't throw for 400 yards. He didn't have five touchdowns. It's not a great day. It's a, it's a very solid, good day. And that's fine. Um, but Ramsey contributed Jimmy Garoppolo's success to the scheme that the 49ers had. And by the way, when you say scheme, it means the play calling, the coaching, the players around him. You're basically attributing Jimmy Garoppolo's success to everything but Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and I, have, I have a question for that. And here's the biggest trump card, a checkmate, if you will. When you say Jimmy Garoppolo is a system type quarterback, a quarterback who relies on scheme, let me tell you, if the 49ers scheme was so great, why were the 49ers 1 and 11 before Jimmy Garoppolo started? I mean, if that scheme is so good that apparently anybody can win with it, why didn't they? Because they, they didn't. So uh, I just think it's, it's really dumb logic. And uh, hey, Jalen Ramsey, checkmate, you're stupid. But I'll elaborate. I'll keep going on this. Calling someone a system-type quarterback is always pretty much stupid. I, I never really understood. It's kind of a like a chicken or the egg conundrum. Which came first? I don't know. Again, scheme meaning game plan, play calling, coaching. Does a team make a quarterback look good? Or does a quarterback make his team look good? It's kind of, again, it's chicken and the egg. And the truth is you need both a good quarterback and a good scheme in order to win games. Like what quarterback has won games with a bad scheme? Like what quarterback was set up to fail and succeeded anyways? I can think of two in the last... 15 years. There's only two of them. It's Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And the reason why is because they're able to run when you have a bad play call, which let's be honest about Seahawks, not great. And I don't think the play calling with the Packers recently has been that great. They haven't had a running game, whatever. If you don't have a lot of support, you can run around like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers do. But that doesn't, I don't know, putting a team on your back, is that the definition? Because that would mean there's only two quarterbacks in the entire NFL that are not system type quarterbacks who can overcome really, really steady, steep obstacles. And so I I don't know. I I just think it's really silly to call someone a system-type quarterback. That makes no sense. And by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo against the Jaguars, he at times did run away and run around. And he I think he ran and threw a touchdown to Trent Taylor. So to say he only operates within the confines of his system actually isn't even accurate. Uh, Here's what's interesting. We have to be very careful with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't want to overhype Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo looks like a fantastic quarterback, but I I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I really don't. 
it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo is great, but let's be very careful not to slow down. I want to talk about what Jalen Ramsey said. Jalen Ramsey elaborated his opinion even further on Jimmy Garoppolo. Called him a system quarterback. Then he said what it means. And Jalen Ramsey said, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo used his fullback and tight ends off play action um, for big gains. Not to mention the 49ers had a really good run game against us. And I don't think Jalen Ramsey explaining how Jimmy Garoppolo beat him really makes Jimmy Garoppolo look worse. I don't know how you, you don't diminish Jimmy Garoppolo by saying, well, he used play action. He threw the ball to his tight ends. He uh, had a good running game. Like, does that, I don't know, does that logic here makes no sense. If you follow Jalen Ramsey's logic, what he's saying is, if you have help, if you have good people around you, if you have a good coach, if you have a good scheme you're operating in, that makes you a system-type quarterback. And if you win by yourself, the only way to not be a system-type quarterback, according to Jalen Ramsey's logic, is to win by yourself. Again, something only Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson really ever do. And so... I just, I don't know. I'm not going to punish somebody for having a good team. I just think that's very stupid. Like, what? Uh, sorry that your coach was good. Sorry that you had good guys to throw to. Sorry that you got protection on that play. That doesn't make you a system-type quarterback. It means you're able to execute your offense properly. I don't know. And so it's, I think it's silly to call anybody a system-type quarterback, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit overhyped. Now, most quarterbacks do benefit from their scheme. Again, coaching helps. Having good play calling helps. But somebody has to throw the ball in the right direction. You still got to have a guy completing passes. You got to make the right decision. I don't know. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm going to punish him because he operated, he executed his offense completely properly. Okay, is that a bad thing now? I don't know. So maybe the 49ers offense was simplified for Jimmy Garoppolo last year. But remember, the Eagles offense was simplified for Nick Foles last year in the playoffs, and Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. And so are you going to take away Nick Foles' Super Bowl MVP and just say, you know what, we're going to give it to the scheme. This, hey, scheme, good job. You get the Super Bowl MVP. No, somebody had to complete passes. So calling somebody a system-type quarterback is always weird. It's dumb to me. Like People always called Tom Brady a system quarterback. What are you talking about? No. I, I, I just, I don't know. No. I, I, as if delivering the ball on time, executing your offense, suddenly that's a bad thing. I'm not going to punish anybody for that. So I'm sorry that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't run around more. And I'm sorry that Jimmy Garoppolo has a good coach. I'll be honest, I'll, I'll level with you. Jimmy Garoppolo does need to improve at the line of scrimmage. He needs to be better at changing the play pre-snap. Sure. And good coaching does help Jimmy Garoppolo. And honestly, I agree. If Jimmy Garoppolo is in the top 100, I kind of go, why? I mean, that's a little early. He only had five starts. But Jimmy Garoppolo is not a system-type quarterback. That is stupid. That's ignorant. And I just don't agree with you. I just don't agree. Because if you're going to say that the only reason Jimmy Garoppolo succeeded was because of their system, I again would counter you with the best checkmate ever. If the system is so great, why were the 49ers 1-11? and you can't tell me Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't make a difference. Go away. It's just stupid. I, I, I don't know. I'm getting fired up. This topic probably went way too long, but I just, I don't know how you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and say, he's only good because of his system, his scheme. That's stupid. Move on with your life. <clears throat> More water. I want my Montana State water bottle. It, it just, it's not the same. I don't have a lid for this one. I don't, I'm, I miss it. 
I think tomorrow night. I'm, I'm going to watch the Westworld season finale at my dad's house very soon. Because he has, I don't have HBO, so I go to my dad's house to watch with him. We talk about it. It's fun. So I'm going to go watch the Westworld season finale probably tonight. And I'll, I, hopefully my water bottle's there. I haven't had it for like three days. I hope it's not. So my fear is I left it under my car when I was working on it at a friend's house. And then it's just gone. Because now it's, it's in the street somewhere. It's, it's missing, whatever. I want to talk about Brett Favre. I want to talk about um, should, I have a question for you. Should youth football end? The youth tackle football end? Brett Favre is supporting an Illinois bill that will not allow anybody under the age of 12 to play youth tackle football. So if you're younger than the age of 12 in Illinois, you cannot, you will not be able to play youth tackle football. The word is tackle. The key word is tackle. So Brett Favre wants this to be a national law. That nobody under the age of 12 can play youth tackle football. And again, Brett Favre is leading the fight on youth tackle, tackle football. He's not saying you can't play football. He's not saying you can't play catch. Not saying you can't play flag football. Not saying you can't train. But Brett Favre is leading the fight against organized tackle football. And I agree with this completely. I actually do. Why do you need to tackle before the age of 12? Like, why do we need 11-year-olds bashing into each other with helmets on hitting each other. There's no reason for that. You can still work on the fundamentals. Like my kids will play flag football and they'll get good at the fundamentals. And then when they're ready, when they're old enough, they'll play tackle football. That's fine. When probably middle school age is when they'll play tackle football. If they want to, I won't force it on them. Because football, in my opinion, is the greatest sport in the world. I played my whole life. Uh, and I guess I started in middle school. I started in seventh grade. I played all through high school, I played a little bit in college. I think football is just the best sport in the entire world, in my opinion. And the lessons I learned from football, they're irreplaceable. Bad bosses. I mean, football, in my opinion, is just the greatest analogy for life in the entire world. You got to work with people you don't like. You got to work together. You got to have some kind of gumption. You got to work good when it matters most in the fourth quarter. So many ways football is the best sport in the world, if you ask me. But also, it's, it's true and kind of undisputable. The more times you get hit in the head, the more years you get hit in the head, the more likely you're going to get messed up because of getting hit in the head. So what you do when you end youth tackle football, you shorten the window that an athlete has to get hit in the head. And I don't have any problem with that because most kids don't play in the NFL. Most kids do not play college football. So to play in middle school and then in high school, that probably reduces the risk just a little bit. And I'm all for anything that reduces risks. I'm a safe guy. I don't want to live in a bubble, but I don't want my kids to have brain damage when they're older. And so my kids, again, my kids are going to play football if they want to. I'm not going to force it on them, but if they want to play football, go ahead. But my kids will play tackle football until they're in middle school at the very least, because I just don't see a reason for my seven-year-old to bash into another seven-year-old at full speed however slow or fast they're running, a little helmet on their head and hit each other. There's no reason for that. So I'll teach my kids the correct fundamentals. And when they're old enough, they'll actually start tackling. There's another wrinkle to this, though, that I think matters. So I'm all for the abolition of youth tackle football. I want my kids playing football. If they're six, I'll play catch with them. I'll teach them how to play a flag. I'll teach them how to break down for tackles or whatever. But there's another wrinkle to this. Um, Washington State University quarterback Tyler Holinsky killed himself last year. Um, he, it was awful. It sucked. I, I reported on it. It was not fun. I, I went to Washington state. So I, I mean, I was there when it happened. I was on campus when it happened. So it was, uh, not great. 
And it was reported today that, I guess yesterday, Tuesday, that when Tyler Holinsky died, he had stage one CTE, which is a degenerative brain disease, which is caused, there's been, I'm not getting into it, but what happened was that Tyler Tyler Holinsky had the brain of a 65-year-old, and he had CTE. And CTE has been linked to football all over over the place. And so when I say I have no problem with ending youth tackle football, it's because I, I think it's the best thing for the human brain. I just don't think that there's a reason for kids before the age of 12 to be hitting each other in the head. And when you get rid of youth tackle football, like Pee Wee football starts at five and six years old. If you eliminate six years of kids playing tackle football from six to 12, all that does is shorten the window that they're getting hit in the head. And the less times you're hit in the head, the less likely you are to have CTE, to have any kind of brain trauma, to any kind of injuries, because it, it takes risks and you can't live in a bubble your whole life. You can't avoid all problems. But if we can reduce risk a little bit, I'm all for that. And so um, I am all for ending youth tackle football. I didn't play until I was in middle school. Yeah, yeah I played in college. I still got there. And, and the truth is, if you're a freak of nature athlete, you're going to get to Division I college football no matter what, what your background is. If you, can, if you have good enough grades and you're a freak athlete, it doesn't matter how long you played football. Ezekiel Ansah, I think, walked on to BYU, tried to play basketball, or tried to play basketball, and then got to the NFL because he's such a good athlete. So I don't know. I just, I hope we can end youth tackle football and it will reduce the risk of kids having brain injuries. Um, so time will tell. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lobby for it. I'm not going to, I'm just going to make one topic, move on, probably never talk about it ever again. But I just got to say, I'm in favor of it. That's how I feel. <clears throat> so while we're on the, the strain of controversial stuff, stuff that people, they don't really want me to talk about. Um, I want to talk about Jameis Winston. And as of right now, let me, let me make sure I'm gonna Google it. As of the moment I'm talking, Jameis Winston has still not officially been suspended. We, there's rumors. There's all kinds of stuff that Jameis Winston is going to be suspended for three games. Uh, but we don't actually have the suspension yet. We're still waiting on, Will Jameis Winston actually get suspended? And so, yeah, so I'm looking at it, and Jameis Winston, to this moment, there's still not an actual suspension being placed yet by the NFL. So the rumor is that Jameis Winston will probably be suspended for three games, but it's not actually happened yet. And he allegedly groped an Uber driver, which is not okay. And I am not, I just, not cool with that at all. But I'm going to wait before I pass final judgment on Jameis Winston, because if he's found to have done these things, if he's actually suspended for three games, my judgment is going to be harsh because that's not acceptable. You can't have your quarterback getting banned. You can't for three games. You can't have a quarterback having doing things to women. It's just not okay. You can't do any of that. And so my, my reaction is going to be very harsh if Jameis Winston is found to have done those things. But what I don't want to do is get it wrong. And what I don't want to do is be that guy who said, I'm going to have the first opinion about Jameis Winston and then to find out, oh, there's other stuff we didn't know about the story and maybe it's not true or maybe this or that. I I just, I want to be responsible first. I don't want to be the first person to report on the story. Because it's it's so easy to, I mean, people are throwing opinions all over the place. And it is so easy to talk about when a guy screws up off the field or like, sorry, on the field. When a guy misses the final shot of a basketball game, 
That is so easy to criticize. It's no problem. When a guy drops a pass or he drops a bunch of passes in a football game, easy to criticize. When Baker Mayfield even off the field now, when Baker Mayfield plays video games, that's very easy for me to criticize and for me to talk about someone. But when you have a conduct issue like what Jameis Winston's dealing with, it's very serious. And so I don't, I want to be responsible. I want to get it right. I don't want to attack somebody uh, when I don't really have all the facts yet. And so I'm not going to, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to give you my final judgment on Jameis Winston just yet. I have a great topic prepared. It's beautiful. I'm very proud of it. I can't wait to share it with you guys when we're there. But currently now, Jameis Winston still hasn't actually been suspended yet. And we don't actually know what happened yet. So until we know what happened, why go there? We, we don't have the facts. We don't know. We think we know. We, we hear rumors. But I don't want to report, you know, allegedly this. Allegedly, I, I want to deal with when, when, things I know. And I, I believe for me personally, the most responsible thing is for me to not talk about my opinion on Jameis Winston yet. And I know that's what I'm doing, but I wanted to. I, I'm getting asked by people. People are saying, Zach, tell me what you think about Jameis Winston. And I tell them I'm waiting for the facts. I'm waiting to know what happened. I, I just, I, uh, I don't want to throw a guy away. And, and you know, I, I just, I want to be very careful. I want to be responsible with Jameis Winston. And I want to wait till Jameis Winston is actually, actually suspended. I'm, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to make sure I get everything right. I hope, I hope you respect that. My, my fear is that by talking about this, I make people angry because I'm afraid of making people angry all the time. It's, it's not a safe place in America at this time to talk about basically anything. And I have strong opinions. And when your strong opinion isn't necessarily sports, that's scary. And so I hope that you listening can respect me when I say I'm just going to take a step back before I pass a final judgment on Jameis Winston. I'm going to wait till I have all the information. I want to be responsible with it. I don't want to trash a person when I don't really know what happened. And so I'm going to wait. Give me a couple days. I'm going to wait till the actual suspension is put down. And when it is put down, which it seems like it will, I have a great topic about Jameis Winston. And I'm going to tell you what I think. And it's, it's very good. It's, it's about sports, not really about people. And uh, it's because I, I just don't want my quarterback doing that thing. I just don't want my quarterback um, in, having conduct issues. I'm not comfortable with that. But I'm going to wait until Jameis Winston is actually suspended because I think the responsible thing to do is to wait until we have all of the facts. And if you don't respect that, I'm sorry. Uh, You can be angry at me, but I just don't want to I don't want to jump the gun on this. I don't want to be the first person to to record report on something that I don't have all the answers on. It's easy to do it when it's a guy missed a final shot or when a guy is streaming video games or when a guy dropped a pass. But the consequences for this one are a lot more severe. And so I want to be responsible. And I, I wish other people were being more responsible with their reporting as well. So my, my, two, my two cents. <clears throat> Let's talk about Johnny Manziel. So two games into Johnny Manziel's CFL season, Johnny Manziel still has not stepped foot onto a field. Johnny Manziel has not played at all yet in the CFL. And two games in, he... he Johnny Manziel still has not played in the Canadian Football League. Uh, not, not a down. So two games into Johnny Manziel's Canadian Football League season, Johnny Manziel is still the backup quarterback. He hasn't played. Two games in, he still has not played a down. And the Johnny Manziel comeback story is slowly looking more and more like a dud. And, that, and that's okay. 
if you look at you look at what happened, Johnny Manziel in game two, it got even worse. Johnny Manziel's team, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, won 38 to 21. And Jeremiah Masoli is the guy who starts over Johnny Manziel. In game two, Jeremiah Masoli, Jeremiah Masoli was 19 for 29. He passed for 332 yards. He had three touchdowns and one interception. And we all just need to slow down the Johnny Manziel hype train. I mean, first of all, look, Johnny Manziel's not even the starter. And even if Johnny Manziel was the the starter for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, he still has a two-year contract. So Johnny Manziel can't go back to the NFL until his two years are in the CFL or up anyways. And I want to give someone credit. I want to give June Jones, the head coach of Johnny Manziel's team, a lot of credit here. Because he supported Johnny Menzel. He said that Johnny Menzel should be in the NFL. But he also supported Jeremiah Masoli, the starting quarterback, saying he should also get NFL consideration. And that's great. Your job as a, as a head coach of any sport is to support your player. And so truth is both probably Jeremiah Masoli and Johnny Menzel could probably make an NFL roster, but they're both also probably backups. Fine. Cool. I think this time is very valuable because Johnny Menzel doesn't just have to prove he can play because we do have to see Johnny Menzel play well in Canada for us to bring him to the NFL. But Johnny Menzel also has to prove that he can stay out of trouble off the field. Now, another guy I want to give credit to is Jeremiah Masoli, the guy starting ahead of Johnny Menzel. He's been put in a very difficult situation. I mean, you're the guy, you're the man at your company. And then they bring in another guy who may not be better than you, but he's high profile. He's getting all the media attention. He gets all the eyeballs. And despite the Tiger Cats bringing in Johnny Manziel, Jeremiah Masoli, the starting quarterback, has remained poised. I mean, Johnny only plays if Jeremiah Masoli screws up. And uh, turns out Jeremiah Masoli playing really well, staying really poised. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, NFL teams are probably actually have a reason to be happy that Johnny Menzel is not playing this year. Because if you're going to look, if you're going to give Johnny Menzel two years in Canada, what's the best? I mean, for I guess the truth is the best way to see Johnny Menzel would be like, if Johnny Menzel balls out, he's fantastic. If he plays for two years, he's the Canadian Football League MVP both years. That's great for Johnny Menzel. But there's still a lot of value in watching Johnny Menzel as a backup quarterback. Because you get to learn and watch how does he respond when he's not playing. See, if he plays his first year as a backup, and then Jeremiah Masoli graduates to the NFL and he leaves, and then Johnny Menzel plays in year two, that's good. Because again, I repeat, Johnny Menzel doesn't just have to prove that he can play. He has to prove that he can behave. He can be an adult off the field. And so we get to see Johnny Menzel mature behind Jeremiah Masoli. We get to watch him grow up. And I just, I, I really enjoy this side of Johnny Menzel. Because we've watched a guy go from winning the Heisman all the way down to nothing and become kind of a junkie. Like, let's be honest about Johnny Menzel. He's kind of a junkie. And we watch Johnny Menzel lift himself back up. And now he's earning a living again playing football. Because I, I got to ask you, what does Johnny Menzel do if he doesn't have football? I don't think he has a degree. Like, what, what will Johnny Menzel do with his time if he's not a football player? I don't know. And so it's happy to see a guy go from a junkie to 
learning, earning a livable wage, playing football. He has a job now. Awesome. And the truth is that he can even have an even better life. If Johnny Manziel can keep going, if he can stay mature, play really well in the CFL, he can go to the NFL and have an even better life and maybe set himself up forever or set himself up to invest and then not have to work when he's 40. I don't know. But I, I love this story about Johnny Manziel. I really enjoy watching him on his journey to not just become maybe an NFL quarterback again, not just to show that he can play off the field, but we get to watch a guy mature and we get to watch a guy grow up. And I, I like watching someone succeed. And so I'm happy for Johnny Menzel. I, I want him to succeed. I want him to do well as a person as and as a football player. Okay, <clears throat> we have one story, two stories, three. And I think that's it. Three stories left. Oh, we have four stories. So we're going to talk about Tom Brady. And then I'm going to tell you why that Los Angeles is the best place for LeBron James to be. Then we're going to talk about Markel Fultz. And then we're going to talk about loyalties dead in the NBA. And that's a good thing. And I'm excited about that. So remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. Remember, this is my favorite thing in the world, my passion, yada, yada. If you want to help me grow this podcast, help me grow by telling your friends about this show. All right. Let's talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Tom Brady was voted the number one best player in the NFL for the second year in a row. And he was voted by the NFL players, which is pretty cool. And another part of the story is that Tom Brady will be 41 in August. Now, first off, it's incredible that Tom Brady is 40 years old and still voted the best player in the NFL. That's, that's unbelievable. I mean, he was the most valuable player of the NBA, NFL. Whether you, you think MVP is valuable or not, it doesn't matter. The fact that Tom Brady is still winning awards like that at 40 years old is unbelievable. That's ridiculous. And so I, I have so much respect for Tom Brady, his discipline, his work ethic, all this stuff. And Tom Brady's dominating on a level unlike anybody else. I mean, he's at like a Jeff Bezos level. The, the guy who owns Amazon is the richest person in the world. And that's the kind of level that Tom Brady's on is Tom Brady's up there with Jeff Bezos as far as his domination of the NFL. But there's a narrative, no matter what you say about Tom Brady, no matter how much you love him, no matter how good he plays, yada, yada. Um, there's a narrative that will forever haunt Tom Brady. In my opinion, and my question is this, can Tom Brady justify the Jimmy Garoppolo trade? Because the Patriots had Jimmy Garoppolo. The Patriots had Jimmy Garoppolo and they traded him away to the 49ers. And this will always follow Tom Brady, in my opinion. Because Jimmy Garoppolo appears to be a star. He went 5-0. He looks like a great player. And he invigorated the 49ers. Shortly after, Jimmy Garoppolo signed a contract for $137 million. And what it appears is that Jimmy Garoppolo is... He appears to be a really good quarterback. And no matter how you slice it, Jimmy Garoppolo is 26 years old, while Tom Brady is 40. One is at the beginning of their career, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Tom Brady is at the end of his career. Maybe not the end, he maybe have two, three years left, but he's nearing the end. And so Jimmy Garoppolo may never be the number one rated player in the NFL. He may never be 
quote, the best football player in the world. But Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to be the best football player in the world. If Jimmy Garoppolo has a pretty good 10-year career and Tom Brady and the Patriots have two, three years left, that's enough for me. Because if, if Tom Brady only plays three more years while Jimmy Garoppolo has 10 more, even if Tom Brady, if Jimmy Garoppolo never gets to Tom Brady levels of good, the Patriots are going to have seven years they could have had with Jimmy Garoppolo that they didn't. And so the only way for Tom Brady to justify that Jimmy Garoppolo trade is if he either keeps up with Jimmy Garoppolo, which he won't, or if Tom Brady can win a Super Bowl. If Tom Brady can win one more Super Bowl, that would justify the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Because if you get nine years with Jimmy Garoppolo and five years with Tom Brady, hey, that's close enough, justified, sure. Um, but the truth is that after Tom Brady, the Patriots could be screwed. And you're going you're gonna to miss out on what could have been a great quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. And so the only way for Tom Brady to justify the Jimmy Garoppolo trade is if Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl. Then if he plays only two more years, but he wins another Super Bowl, you can say, if you're a Patriots fan, well, guess what? We Maybe we did trade away Jimmy Garoppolo, but we traded Jimmy Garoppolo for a Super Bowl. That's fine with me. But if six years from now, the Patriots are a dumpster fire, and they never got a Super Bowl again after Jimmy Garoppolo left, that's on you. And you look stupid because you could have had a franchise quarterback. What appears, we don't know. We could have had what appears to be Jimmy Garoppolo, who appears to be a franchise quarterback. And the fact that the Patriots had Jimmy Garoppolo, they traded him away. And four years from now could be a mess while Jimmy Garoppolo's winning games in San Francisco. If that happens, that's on the Patriots. And that's the story Tom Brady can never get away from. Can Tom Brady justify the Jimmy Garoppolo trade? You could argue he doesn't have to. I mean, he's Tom Brady. He's got five Super Bowls, been to eight. Maybe he doesn't have to. But I will always wonder, hmm, should the Patriots have traded away Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo? Because right now, unless Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl, I would have traded away Tom Brady, not Jimmy Garoppolo. Because you're going to get more years of success. And it doesn't matter if you're winning Super Bowls. In the NFL, your job is to stay relevant. Be interesting. And the Patriots sucking... Not very interesting. Patriots winning games, making the playoffs, even if they don't ever win a Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo, they could have been interesting for the next 10 years. Whereas with Tom Brady, they could be interesting for the next two, three, probably not five. So I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. And my question is, man, can Tom Brady justify the Jimmy Garoppolo trade? I don't know. I'm not really sure. We'll find out. Time will tell. <clears throat> So where is the best place for LeBron James to go this offseason? It's very simple to me. It, it's very simple that, to me, the Lakers is the best place for LeBron James to go this offseason. So why? The Lakers will set up LeBron James for the rest of his life. Now, personally, I'd love to see LeBron James go to the Philadelphia 76ers. If it were me and I could choose... Anywhere for LeBron James to go, I would want to see LeBron James go to Philadelphia. Because I want to see LeBron James win another championship. That's what I want. That's what I want to see from LeBron James. And if LeBron James did go to Philadelphia, it would be a really, really big basketball story. It really would. 
However, if uh, LeBron James goes to the LA Lakers, that's not just a big basketball story. That's a global story. That's a story that people in China, Bulgaria, England, South Africa, people all over the world will pay attention if LeBron James goes to the LA Lakers. Not the Clippers, the Lakers. And most people make the simple, very easy connection. Oh, well, if LeBron James goes to L.A., it helps his film career. I mean, sure, part of it, maybe. That might be a small part. But let's be honest. LeBron James already has a working production company in Los Angeles. He already has a house in Los Angeles. I mean, LeBron James already has an acting career. He was in Trainwreck. He played himself. It's an Amy Schumer movie. It's made by Judd Apatow. Regardless of how you feel about Amy Schumer, LeBron James was great in that movie. And I, I actually laughed at it. I thought it was funny. So, eh, I don't know. LeBron James can act. And you look around at who is the biggest actor in the entire world? It's The Rock, a former athlete. So maybe LeBron James looks at The Rock, a guy who played professional sports previously, well, WWE, some college. Uh, but maybe LeBron James looks at that and says, hmm, I want to be an actor. But I don't think LeBron James is just potentially an actor. LeBron James is a brand. T-shirts, shoes, movies, TV shows, hats, everything. LeBron James is a brand. And so if LeBron James goes to the Lakers, he will expand his brand to a global scale. Much more than Philadelphia or Cleveland or Boston even. The LA Lakers is the world's biggest basketball brand. It's the truth. And so the Lakers would make LeBron James a bigger star. It's a smart business move for LeBron James to go to the LA Lakers. You get more eyeballs. I mean, think about this. Courtside of a Laker game next year if LeBron James is there. Adam Sandler, George Clooney, uh, Justin Timberlake. You're going to have star. It's going to be an event every time the Lakers play a basketball game. And it's okay for LeBron James to be worried about building his brand. Because LeBron James has earned the right. Look, I don't want Baker Mayfield worried about building his brand because he's a rookie quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. He literally hasn't ever played a game in the NBA. LeBron James has been to eight straight NBA finals. LeBron James, you can make an argument. He may not be, but you can at least argue he's the best basketball player of all time. And so I think it would be very financially smart to be a smart business move for LeBron James to go to the Lakers this offseason. Personally, I hope LeBron James chases a championship. I want to see LeBron James win another championship. But it's true that the Lakers makes a lot of sense for LeBron James. I mean, it's a global story. Think about this. Really, really good basketball player goes to Cleveland. Boston, Seattle, does anybody care? But if you go to the Lakers, the LA Lakers, the biggest brand in all of basketball, that is a global story. People in Bulgaria, South Africa, China, everywhere in the world, people will take notice and pay attention. It does matter. It does matter. And so the Lakers will help LeBron James build the legend and build his brand. Oh man, there's a there's an NBA player. Uh, I'm drink water first, I guess. <clears throat> the, 
there, there is an NBA player that I'm just fascinated with. And the NBA player I am most fascinated with is Markel Fultz. He was a number one draft pick. And then he had trouble shooting. He was labeled a bust. And it sounds like he, he really struggled with confidence. It sounds like that Markel Fultz got to the NBA and had the yips. Well, first he got hurt and his shot was all screwed up. And then he just lost all of his confidence. And so I understand that. I, I kind of get that. His trainer talked about it. His trainer has said that they're going to improve his shot. They're going to work all summer and get better. And his trainer said, yeah, he did have the yips. He was afraid. He did lose confidence. But I think it's interesting. If you watch Mark Fultz's rookie highlights, he does have a jump shot. It's not like great, but he can shoot a mid-range jump shot. Now, Mark Fultz doesn't shoot any threes, but I have faith and I have hope that Mark Fultz can turn into a shooter. I, I do. I think if you put a gun to my head and someone says, make a decision. Is Marco Fultz going to develop a jump shot and get better or not? I think Marco Fultz probably figures it out. I do. I hope so, and I think he does. Uh, first of all, I, I, I'm rooting for Marco Fultz because I don't want to see a bust. I don't want to see a guy be a number one draft pick and completely fail in the NBA. But the truth is, if Marco Fultz can develop into a meaningful starter who can contribute, the 76ers will get better. And that's cool. That's what I want to see. Markel Fultz may never be a superstar. Markel Fultz, he may never live up to the number one overall pick. Sad but true. But I just hope Markel Fultz doesn't bust. I'm not rooting against him, and I think it's very possible. That's one of the storylines I'm most excited for this season is, can he fix his jump shot? Because Markel Fultz is only 20 years old. He's a baby. He's got a body of a a kid. And, And I believe if he works out hard, and he improves a his body gets a little bigger and improves his jump shot which i think he will i do believe markel fultz can figure it out i do i just i i have faith he may not be possibly the best player in the world at any point he's never going to be he may not even be a rookie or an all-star i mean he may never be an all-star but markel fultz could develop into a nice player and figure it out and that's what i hope that's what i want that's what i hope i'm not rooting against anybody i don't want anybody to fail and so, again, if you put a gun to my head, make me, force me to make a decision, I'm going to say that Markel Fultz probably does figure it out. I just do. I, I just, uh, I believe Markel Fultz will probably develop and hopefully develop into some kind of functional player with an operational jump shot. Okay, last story of the day. I want to talk about basketball. I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't have been in last, but maybe I save best for last. I don't know. The, uh, the Indiana Pacers have declined Lance Stevenson's player option. And Lance Stevenson has been in the NBA for eight seasons. He played six seasons with the Indiana Pacers. He came into the league with the Pacers. He left for a little bit, came back. And uh, you, you can make an argument that Lance Stevenson is one of the most notable players in Pacer history. Probably not, but I don't know. Remember, this is the guy that blew in LeBron James' ear. Remember the guy that blew in LeBron James' ear in uh, against the Miami Heat? That that was Lance Stevenson. I mean, Lance Stevenson has had huge, big moments against LeBron James. And so Paul George reacted really, really strongly to the Indiana Pacers declining his player option. 
Because Paul George left the Pacers. If you remember who Paul George is, Paul George left the Indiana Pacers and he was traded away after he said he wanted to go to the Lakers. Paul George said, I'm not going to re-sign with the Pacers. I want to go to the Lakers. And so Paul George has a history with the, the Indiana Pacers. He doesn't really probably like them very much. And when the Pacers declined to bring back Lance Stevenson uh, for only, I mean, $4.4 million, that's not a big contract by NBA standards. And the Pacers decided not to bring him back. Paul George, an all-star player, a former Pacer, said he posted a picture of Lance Stevenson with the headline. And on Instagram, Paul George said this. Wow, I was the bad guy, huh? In this business, you do what's right. You do what's right for you. Hashtag Pacer legend. Saying basically that Lance Stevenson is a Pacer legend and uh, that, hey, loyalty doesn't really exist. The Pacers were not loyal to their longtime great player, Lance Stevenson. And so I look at this and I go, yes, yes, yes. Thank goodness. Loyalty is dead in the NBA and good riddance. Thank you. I'm so happy. Sports are a business. And I want to ask you, who do you side with? Do you side with an employee or the big business? The, the, the NBA teams have big television deals. They make bucket loads of money. And do you, do you side with the company, the large company that makes bucket loads of money? Or the empowered worker, the empowered athlete? And I want to ask you, why should an athlete ever, why should an athlete ever be loyal to his team? I don't know. Because teams aren't loyal to players. Do you know why you sign contracts? The reason why you have to sign a contract in sports is because otherwise people may not follow up with their promises. They tell you, we're going to pay you all this money, but without a contract, they might not follow through. Look, I understand loyalty if you're working in a career where you have a 40-year window to do your job. You, you work in the same field for 40 years, doctor, businessman, salesman, I don't know. I understand if you're loyal to the people around you. But if you're an NBA player, well, you're lucky to have income for 10 years. You probably won't. I don't think the average NBA player has income for 10 years in the league. When you have a shorter career, you have to capitalize on it. And you have to get what you want. If you're an NBA player, any athlete really, do you want to make a ton of money? If you want to make bucket loads of money, go get yourself paid. If you're an NBA player and you want to win, go find a team that wins. You know, the biggest tragedy in all sports, there are two of them. Dan Marino and Barry Sanders never won a Super Bowl. Dan Marino was loyal to the Miami Dolphins. Dan Marino never had good enough help to win a Super Bowl. Or Barry Sanders is even more egregious. Barry Sanders was loyal to the Detroit Lions. And he got his butt kicked for 10 years. Here's the kicker. Barry Sanders, maybe the greatest running back of all time, only went to the playoffs five of the 10 years he played in Detroit. Maybe the best running back ever. Never really had playoff success. Because he had bad people around him. Because both Dan Marino and Barry Sanders were loyal to their team. Loyal to a fault. The point is, why would a player ever be loyal to a team? You're dealing with teams that make all this money. Billionaire owners. 
and teams that are often not loyal to their players. If teams aren't loyal, why should a player be loyal? But also, why should a team be loyal to a player? It goes both ways. If a player isn't taking care of their business, why should I pay him a ton of money he doesn't deserve? And so when I watched Lance Stevenson get cut by the Indiana Pacers, he's kind of a legend. He's a Pacer legend. It makes me go, oh, wow, loyalty in the NBA is dead. And good riddance. Thank God. I don't want loyalty. Do what's best for you if you're an athlete. If you want to win games, win games. If you want to make a ton of money, go make a ton of money. And if you're an NBA team, you shouldn't be obligated to play a player if he's not taking care of business. If he's not earning the right to make money, don't pay him. If he's not as good anymore, if he maybe isn't working hard, if he's being a distraction, you shouldn't pay a guy. Don't be loyal to a guy because of what he's done before. What have you done for me lately? That's sports. I hate to say it, but that's how it is. And I like that. I like that loyalty's dead in the NBA. Thank God. Maybe next we can get Aaron Rodgers to leave the Green Bay Packers. But I don't understand why. Why are players loyal to teams? Some team that never gave you what you wanted. It's a bad city. It's an owner that makes billions of dollars. Why are you loyal to him? And why should a team be obligated to be loyal to a player if the player isn't taking care of business? Neither side has a reason to be loyal. And when you're loyal... It, it hinders everybody. When you're not loyal, when you leave, when you have player mobility, it makes the NBA so much more interesting. So loyalty is dead in the NBA. Good riddance. Thank God for that. Never understand that. Be loyal to your girlfriend. Be loyal to your parents. Don't be loyal to your city if your city doesn't give you what you want. I don't know. I, if I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, I'd probably leave Phoenix, Arizona. Because I don't want to live in 117 degree weather. That's not what I want. So, I don't know. Go get what you want in life. That's, that's kind of what I believe. If you don't like where you live, go move somewhere else. If you don't like your job, go find a different job. Don't be loyal to something because you have to. There's no reason for that. That's all I have to say. All right. Uh, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much, man. I, I love this podcast. It's my favorite thing in the world. This was a long one. Again, I don't mean to make such a long podcast, but it, uh, it always happens. So, remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, it's everywhere. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends about it. Please, I don't want to go in depth. You know that spiel. Help me grow this podcast. You like it, help me out, help me grow. I put my heart and soul into it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And I'd appreciate your help growing it. I don't know, I, I, I might do a podcast Friday. I'm not sure because uh, I'm helping my brother move from Vancouver, Washington to Pullman, Washington, which is an eight-hour drive. I'm leaving after he gets off work and we're driving to Pullman together. I'm going to help him move. So I may do a podcast on Friday morning, hopefully, probably. But if not, I'll do one on Sunday night and get that out early Monday morning. So regardless, podcast coming soon. Thank you so much for watching this one. I enjoy it. I love it. I appreciate you guys. And I hope you guys have a great day. And uh, go see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Really fun movie. I, I loved it. And uh, I, I recommend it. So thank you so much. My name is Zach Schallner. Have a great day. But um bum Bam, we are done. Bye.